Welcome to Coffee Over Suicide, the dramedy podcast about mental illness and choosing life over death, one cup of coffee at a time. I'm your host, Chris Parker Howard, and today on the show, we have got survivor and author of the book, Finding Strength Through Tragedy, Ashley Michelle. Uh, This is a pretty intense conversation, but it doesn't get real graphic. So I think if you are a person who's triggered by those kinds of things, uh, uh, you'll probably be all right if you just sort of prepare for it. But otherwise, you know yourself best. Uh, Before we get into this conversation, I do want to let you know that you can find all things Ashley Michelle at ashleyinspires.com. It's a blog. Uh, It's got all kinds of interesting insights and affirmations and stories, and you should just go check it out for yourself and tell me what you think about it. But speaking of things I want you to check out for yourself, the Thursday meetings have been amazing. Uh, It's honestly one of the best experiences that I've had in my life. Uh, If you want to know what the next phase of Coffee Over Suicide is, it is these virtual meetings every single Thursday. Uh, We're doing one of these things. It's 8 a.m. Pacific uh, to 10 a.m. Pacific. It's two hours long. That's in the morning. And then there's another session, 3 p.m. Pacific to 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, If you want to know what the conversion is, Google it. That's what I do. (laughs) So I think you should come to this. Just go to coffeeoversuicide.com slash talk. And click on the link, join the Zoom session. These uh, sessions are not recorded. They are just for the people who show up. And it's really a phenomenal time. It's it's lighthearted. It's, it's uh, dark. It's heavy. It's fun. It's tragic. It's kind of a little bit of everything. It's whatever you need it to be for you. If you want to talk, if you just want to be a fly on the wall and listen, if you want to remain anonymous, you can do that too. Uh, just go to coffeeoversuicide.com slash talk and the times and the links and all of that are there. Now, there is something else I wanted to get into up top on this show, and that is uh, loneliness. That's one of the things that I was thinking about when I set this group up. I know that I've been feeling a lot of it uh, since the beginning of the pandemic. And if I'm honest with myself and with you, I've been feeling a lot of it for most of my life. Uh, I'm an introvert, but that doesn't mean that I have to be uh, constantly away from people. I really like people in doses and in (laughs) certain circumstances, but... uh, being apart from people and feeling so separate from people uh, is really lonely. And lonely is a killer. Lonely is bad. Um, So uh, one of the things that I've been thinking about is what causes all this loneliness? 
You know, where, where does this come from? Is it just wiring? Is it just clouds in the brain? Is it chemicals misfiring? I mean, I think there's some of that for sure. I think there's some of that. But I think there's something else underneath that. I've kind of always been a little bit of an outsider. Um, I haven't really fit in in many spaces, even the spaces where I kind of did fit in, I kind of didn't fit in. And that can be a really beautiful thing in some cases. It's caused me to think about things a little bit differently. Uh, it's made me funnier in some places. It's made me more introspective. It makes me think about things in a way that maybe I wouldn't have thought about if I had fit in better and I was thinking like everybody else. There's a value to being outside of what else is going on. Uh, but it doesn't always feel like that. So if I could just take a moment to have you look inside yourself, think about the ways that you're different and think about how they're serving you. And then take a minute and think about the ways that they're not and see if there's a way you can reconcile those two things. That's where I'm at right now. I'm trying to get those two dogs to work together. Can it be done? Show up on Thursday and tell me, coffeeoversuicide.com slash talk. And don't forget to check out the book of today's guest. Uh, that is Finding Strength Through Tragedy by Ashley Michelle. Let's get into that conversation with Ashley Michelle. I'm good. You know, uh, it's it's always a weird time of year. The weather changes and uh, there's uh, seemingly some stress in the air everywhere you go because of different holidays and whatnot. It's kind, oh, of, kind of a weird time of year, honestly. But uh, it, it, tell, tell me about what it's like where you are. Um, yeah, it's definitely, I feel you. It's definitely a hard time of year. I feel like this is when depression really like sets in for many people, such as myself. Like it's definitely dark here and, and gloomy. Like, I feel like it's dark at like four 30 now. So yeah. <laughs> it, it definitely makes for like a longer day and not as much vitamin D. I definitely miss the summer. I'm a total summer person. That's for sure. Well, well, uh, take me take me all the way back to the beginning of this. Uh, are, are, where were you born? Um, I was actually born in Hamilton, Ontario, um, at McMaster Children's Hospital. Um, so yeah, and then <laughs> I moved to London um, in 2010. I came here for college, and I've been here ever since. So I, it's going on 12 years actually that I've been here. What were you thinking about as far as majoring? What were you doing? What was your thought process? Who were you in those days? 
my thought process wasn't the greatest uh, in those days um, because I came from a very sheltered lifestyle. Like I never went to a party, nothing in high school. Like I was like the good girl, like I was the honor roll student. I was student council and then, you know, flip the script and, you know, now I have all this freedom and, and independence and I was partying in college all the time. Um, I was skipping class. Um, like I, I wasn't really taking things serious because now you have all this freedom and it just goes right to your head. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was definitely a challenge, but then, you know, I ended up getting on the right foot the second year and, you know, started a new program and everything ended up really well. My grades went really well. So it was just the first year. It just really got to me all of the, the independence and the freedom to like make your own choices. Cause here you are now, like I was 18 years old at the time. Right. Like, and yeah, too much freedom. That's for sure. And, you know, irresponsibility and lack of knowledge. Right. So yeah. it was definitely different. And, um, I actually got into an abusive relationship in college. That was my first relationship ever. Um, so that was pretty horrible. And I ended up leaving because he cheated on me. That's a lot of then, kind of all wrapped oh, up into oh, yeah. a, a very short amount of time that had to be really something. Yeah. And being in school, I was actually going through final exams while he cheated on me. Um, and that was my, that was my breaking point. That's when I left. I mean, I should have left a lot earlier. Like there was definitely emotional abuse. There was physical abuse. There was verbal abuse. There was all of that. There was so much disrespect, but you know, what you see is what, you know, I'm a big believer in that. And I didn't have the worst upbringing, but I didn't have the best by any means. So my biological parents, which I don't talk to, they had a very toxic relationship and he would punch holes in the door, everything like that, raised voices, cursing, swearing, slapped me across the head once and called me effing stupid. Like just a lot of negativity. And when you're surrounded by that, of course, that's what you're going to choose because it's what you know. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. it was definitely tough. But you said that you you eventually kind of found your way into a, a a better groove. Where did where did that come from? Was it just sort of making a, a, a an effort based on what it is you thought you'd rather be doing or rather have, or did you see cues around you? Because the the world definitely starts showing you what it is once you get out into it, and the diversity yeah. of thought and the different kinds of people that are out there. And realizing that the way you were raised is one way of being raised, the kind of person that you are is one way of being the kind of person that you are. And especially when you're young and you start going out uh, college age, it's like uh, cracking everything wide open for the first time <laughs> for some people. It sounds like that was your experience. Oh yeah. Like, you know, all these experiences, like, yes, some of them were absolutely horrible. Some of them were life altering, but they've kind of formed me and shaped me into who I am today. Yeah. Um, I, I truly believe that. And my turnaround, I think for me was like, you know, I'm paying all this money to go to college. I really need to buckle down and, and take life serious. Like this is the rest of my life. This is my career. Like I can't be partying all the time. I can't be getting into toxic relationships. I really have to 
get going and get to the bottom of things and, you know, continue on a healthy lifestyle for myself. And I was going to the gym again. Like I was doing really well for myself. And then, um, more trauma obviously occurred. So fast forward to 2016, I was actually running on a path in broad daylight. Um, this happened in July and, um, I was assaulted in, in broad daylight running on a trail in the park. And then a couple of weeks after that, um, one of my other exes, uh, commits murder and tries to take my life at the same time. Yeah. And that is, I mean, that's, that's something that I, I think very few people in this world have experience with. Uh, I don't know. Like you'd, you'd really be surprised. Like this is a worldwide epidemic. Like I would love to say that this is just an Ashley problem, but it's so not like there are witnesses and survivors of crime almost every single day. And it's just, it's crazy. It has become this worldwide epidemic. Like I didn't know that there was such thing as like victim services out there. Like I didn't know that there's like witnesses and people that have to testify all the time. Like it's, it's an actually super eye opening. Like when a crime happens, you just think, Oh, okay. Like it's, it's a crime that happened. You don't think about like, there's actually people that are witnessing that crime. There's young children witnessing that crime. And you know what? Like, Yes, I hate what happened to me, but at least I wasn't a 15 or 14 year old going through that. Like, could you imagine the mindset of a 14 or 15 year old going through that? Yeah. And experiencing that? Like, I I couldn't, I couldn't imagine. So those two instances were very close together. Oh, they were. That really took a toll on me. And then in October of 2016 is when I attempted to take my own life uh, at Thanksgiving. I was just, I was done. Like I was so emotionally drained. Like I'm the kind of person that wears my heart on my sleeve. So I feel things hard and I feel things deep. And it really, it really took a toll on me mentally, emotionally. It was just so draining and so exhausting. Like I would literally work and then I would come home and just sleep because I, I didn't want to be around. Yeah. Like I, I felt so much, I felt so much survivor's guilt too, for being around. Like I felt guilty for like being able to like cross the street. I felt being guilty for just simply being alive. But yeah. then at the same point in time, like what a selfish decision to try to take my own life. Right. Because yeah. you know what? I had an obligation I had a responsibility to have justice be served. Like I needed to be the one to testify, um, against the person that committed this horrific crime. Yeah. So in how selfish of me to let down a family that is grieving the loss of their son. And then there's me who's going to try to take my own life. Like that's when they needed me the most. I needed to stand up and, and be there for them. So that was a wake up call for sure. Without a doubt. Yeah. Now I I want you to understand that I'm 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 not going to uh, attempt to uh, put you in a- any sort of an uncomfortable emotional position today. Like with the conversation that you and I are having, I want to a- anything that I'm asking, any anything that I want to understand better is is strictly for the purpose of understanding it better 
and maybe helping some people who are in some situations. Yes, exactly. Like I definitely want to, this is another reason I do these um, podcasts is to raise awareness because there are so many people that are suffering and going through similar experiences, you know, and like what happened to me too, was like, there was domestic violence in it for sure. And so many people, I mean, it was just November, the month of domestic violence awareness. And yeah, there are so many young people that struggle with that. I mean, I did a placement with like teen moms and they were going through some of the exact same things, like, you know, with abuse and and not being treated right, not being, not knowing what love was. So, you know, some of these girls would have a child just so they could feel some type of love. Yeah. Can, Can you tell me a little bit about your morning, the day that it happened i kind of have an understanding of the way that the way that things can go sideways on you without it being your fault like you had to have woken up in the morning and started it like any other uh yes and no so i attended a good life party the night before Mm -hmm. um and then and and i was talking to both of them the night before and uh, then um, I got a call at 5.30 in the morning, which wasn't anything like completely unusual. I mean, we saw each other at all different times. Yeah. And he he didn't seem like he seemed normal on the phone. And so he asked me to come by um, the deceased's apartment. And I did. And um, that's when he uh, he took like 45 minutes to like meet me and And finally, when he did, we were talking outside. I noticed there was a cut on his toe. I didn't really think too much of it. And then when we got up to the apartment, it was just, it was, it was covered. It was, it was horrific. Um, And then he locked all the doors behind me, told me I wasn't going anywhere, showed me the deceased's body and told me that I was next to join him. Um, He strangled me. He sexually assaulted me. Um, it was, it was horrific. I, I literally did not think that I was going to get out of there alive whatsoever. And it was him going to the washroom after being stuck in there for two hours, him going to the washroom and running down 18 flights of stairs. Cause I knew there was no time to wait for an elevator. Yeah. And then I ran across the street to a variety store and that's when I called 911. And, you know, the saddest thing was too, is like, it, this sounds awful, but before the police even questioned me, they had asked me if I could promise them something. And I said, sure. What is that promise? And they said, please don't turn to the streets for like drugs, prostitution, alcohol. That just goes to show you right then and there that like the statistics for people turning to the streets is so high. Yeah. I I mean, it's, it's, it's a thing that I, I can only relate to in the smallest of ways. Uh, but it's a, it's a thing that does make sense to me, that thought of turning to the streets e- even after an assault, uh, because I, I can tell you that after my own assault, my thought process after that was any partner that I was with, uh, it was it was almost like I needed uh, to find a, a sexual experience that was going to make me feel like a human being again. Uh, after being assaulted and it was it was a way of just searching for some kind of 
love and connection. It's like I needed to find a way to purify myself after feeling violated and not really even knowing that that was the case, not really even having an understanding that that's what I was doing, but it was just this constant cycle of searching for something to make me feel whole within myself and not even having an understanding why. And it sounds like that was very helpful for you to hear so, so quickly. Oh, it, it definitely was like, it was a wake up call. And that's when I've said to myself, like how many other people are going through the same thing that I have just experienced. And like, like I said, like, I could imagine like, nobody should ever have to go through anything like that. But could right. you imagine not being a 14 or 15 year old girl? And like, you know, you're so your brain hasn't fully developed at that point in time. You know, you're so vulnerable, like turning to the streets at that age, like, that that's really scary. And that's why I started like the project. I started writing a book. I started blogs. I started a YouTube channel to help so many people. And let me be clear too, like guys go through this stuff too. It's not just girls that go through this. Yeah, And, you know, I just want to touch as many lives as I possibly can. And I don't want anyone going through what I went through. I don't want anyone to think that the answer is taking their own lives. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to be there for people and it's, it's a process. Like it's, it's a healing journey. Like just because the trial is over and everything for me doesn't mean this is over. Like this is a life sentence. Like I literally have to deal with my ex for the rest of my life. Like I get parole packages. Now I get his testing scores, all of that stuff. And like, you could be having a great day and you never know when you're going to get a parole package. You don't. And he's eligible for full parole by in 2030. And like that crosses my mind, you know, there's the anniversaries, like there's definitely triggers, you know, there's people that like walk behind me that like frighten me. So, you know, I go in front of that, like, it's just, it's scary. Um, like there are certain noises still that trigger me. Uh, The color red really triggers me. Um, so there are definitely things that are still a work in progress and like, you'll never be completely healed, Yeah. but you know, it's, it's what you do in that time that counts, you know, it's, it's making the most out of your journey and it's, it's helping others who are going through it and, and sharing your story and, and being relatable and being that teaching tool, that teaching lesson for somebody else who is struggling to find their way to heal. Yeah, But if I can save people from turning to the streets, like I, I couldn't imagine. And, you know, that's opened my eyes too, because, you know, you see homeless people and you're like, oh, like people make so many assumptions about them. But yeah. you know what? I ask myself, why not? Like, why? Why are they doing this? You know, you don't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to turn to the streets and put needles in my arms and, and take drugs. Yeah. You know, there has to be some underlying issue that got you to that place. What horrific trauma did you go through to get to that place? Yeah. And how do we provide help for something like that? And there's, exactly. there's so many different ways uh, to go about that because people, people have different needs. But as far as your situation and what you went through, uh, it, it, tell me about where, how long did it take you uh, to get back to a routine as far as waking up in the morning, going outside, 
eating because that's that's a big one like making sure that you're eating again taking care of yourself tell me a little bit about finding your way back to that oh that that took time um so i was working as a nanny at that time and then i was also working for good life but i i took a leave of absence for good life like i'm the type of person that goes to the gym every single day no matter what and uh I couldn't go to the gym. I couldn't, I couldn't move. I couldn't function. Like it was hard enough just going to work. Like that was exhausting in itself, but I had no other choice. Yeah. And, um, when I came home, all, like I said before, all I did was sleep and it was months. Like I'd say like probably close to Christmas that I started going back to the gym and, and started getting in some type of like consistency and routine again. Um, I, I think the suicide attempt was a huge wake up call. Um, like I said, selfish choice on my part. Um, but it, it was definitely a process. Um, it was, it was step by step. Some days were minute by minute. Um, some days were hour by hour. Um, it was, it was really hard, but once I got back into like our routine and in and, and going to the gym, it definitely helps, you know, with, with the anxiety, the PTSD, the depression, um, the gym for me is everything yeah. not to say that that's going to be the same for everybody. Like everybody's going to have different things. You know, some people might get into like instruments or sewing or, you know, writing a book or, you know, going out with friends or, or joining different sports groups or et cetera. And counseling was a huge thing that was like consistent in my day-to-day routine. Um, I was seeing a counselor weekly. I was seeing my nurse practitioner weekly. Um, I had a lot, a lot of terrific support. Like that is something that I feel so grateful for is the amount of support that I had. I am so blessed for everybody. There is so many people that, you know, gave up their lives a week's we're talking like two weeks, the trial was, and they gave up their week to like come and support me and be there for me and help me to heal. So I am so grateful and so incredibly thankful for everybody who has supported me because I just didn't get to this place myself. There are so many people behind it that helped me, you know, fight the battles, fight the demons and, and get to where I needed to be today. What was your relationship with mental health like before that? Did you have any uh, history of talking about uh, self-care and things like that? Like before, um, I definitely did have a hard time with anxiety. I struggled with that like all my life, like especially at the beginning of every school year, you know, new teacher, new classroom, because I'm really not good with change. I really like consistency and structure and routine, like moving to London. Oh, my gosh. I was homesick for a long, long time. Yeah. Like it, it was a big, big change for me to like move to another city. Like when I I lived in Hamilton and then I went to high school in Grimsby and even that was like a huge change for me. Um, so I, I've always definitely suffered from anxiety because I like to, I don't like change. I fear change. Um, I still do to this day. Um, but no, my mental health was nowhere near what it was in, in, in 2016, like PTSD, you know, people think that it's only like war vets that get it, but it's anybody who's been through any horrific trauma gets PTSD. Um, and that in itself is exhausting and it, and it's draining. Um, 
and then the depression too. Like I, I find that my depression actually gets worse during the holidays because there's just, there's so much pressure. And I, and I still think about like the holidays as, you know, a, a rough time because the deceased doesn't get to be here and, and celebrate the holidays with his family. And, and that's something that I, I tend to struggle with a little bit, you know, and especially with like the chances of him coming out for parole in, in 2030, you know, it's, that's a struggle in itself for me because it's like, but the deceased doesn't get to get married and, and have kids and, and have a life, but he still has the chance after doing such horrific stuff to yeah. live a life. Like that just doesn't seem fair to me at all. That's where the justice system really needs some work. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's gotta be, that's got to be impossible to reconcile. Uh, you know, one of the things that's that's really difficult, uh, one of the hardest conversations with anybody is thinking about this, this idea that uh, there is a possibility for uh, redemption and change in every human being. And when you apply that, to, to someone like this and you say, well, there's a possibility for redemption and uh, uh, rehabilitation. I can't imagine that feels true. No, no, I, I completely agree with you. It's like child predators. They don't, they don't change. They only right. get worse. Yeah. And you know, like I know my ex and he's very manipulative and I'm sure he's telling those people everything they want to hear. Just like anybody else who's in jail for something horrific, they will, they're going to lie. They're going to tell these yeah. psychologists and therapists everything that they want to hear so that way they can get out on good behavior. Right. Like I, I, it's just, yeah, it's, I don't think that there's redemption or anything like that. Like there was no remorse whatsoever at the trial. Yeah. There was no remorse on his part. Yeah. So for, for you in finding your way back mm -hmm. uh, to the world, uh, tell me a little bit about um, what kind of things, what kind of things started to help for you, like as far as when you find yourself uh, in those moments of uh, reliving things or tough and even, I mean, we're speaking about these things now and right. they're, 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 they're still under the surface there. You've talked about it a hundred times and you still feel it. I, it's, it's obvious. How do you, how do you reconcile that with the current moment do you bring yourself into the reality of the moment or do you think about do you think about the 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 future or is it a bigger picture is it is it smaller or larger that brings you back to being able to you know go about your day and go about your life i mean i think about what happened every day but i don't let it consume me yeah. you know i i have this life to live and i know that me and the deceased were a lot of like and I know if roles were reversed, I know that he would be here today having this podcast with you and, and he'd be doing the same thing because he would give the shirt off his back for anybody. He would help anybody that was going through a hard time. And so I'm trying to live for him and I'm trying to do things that I know that he would do and just trying to keep, you know, his, 
his journey alive, essentially, you know, by like knowing that this is the same thing that he would be doing. Um, and I just, I don't let those moments consume me. I don't let them take over me because that's just giving into, you know, my ex and, and going down a dark path, which I, I don't want to do. I mean, yeah. there are some, some dark moments like the anniversaries and stuff like that, but I have a routine now for those anniversaries. Like I go to the cemetery and, and visit the deceased every single year, you know, I make sure I have that day off and I just, I grieve. Um, but it's also, you know, a way for me to cope because if you run from it and you don't deal with the emotions, that's where it's going to get worse in the future. Like you have to deal with the moments now. Like when I get parole packages, I reach out to my counselor right away yeah. and I, I sit down and, and talk with her and, and go over how I'm feeling. You know, I don't keep those emotions bottled in because that's when you're going to have the toughest time. That's when you're not going to heal properly. Like it's all about self-care and it's all about like, and I don't think it's selfish to put yourself first and, and take care of yourself, especially after you've gone through something so traumatizing and so horrific, you need to put yourself first. You need to yeah. care for yourself. You need to get, go to the, have that spa day, you know, go to the gym. Like that's what I do when I'm in a bad spot. Like I go to the gym and look at that for healing and comfort. Yeah. Um, Free endorphins. I mean, it, it definitely does. That. <laughs> Exercise happiness. It's, it's one of the greatest things you can do for your mental health is move around, get out, do something physically. Yes, because lying in bed is is not going to solve the problems. And don't get me wrong, like I have my moments where I feel like it's a struggle to get out of bed, but I I force myself to, you know, I say like, no, this is what you got to do. You got to shower, get dressed. I I put it in steps for myself. And I'm like, this is what you have to do to get to the other side. Lying in bed, lying in darkness is not going to make anything any easier. It's yeah. just going to make things worse. It sounds like you still feel things with, with your whole heart. I, I mean, how do you, how do you, how do you not see that as a triumph? You know what I mean? I, I mean, just sitting here talking to you now, I, I get this sense that you are still just wide open. That's, that's gotta be tough. Um, yes and no. Like I, I definitely have, you know, moments of, of struggle, but I don't, I don't stay in those moments for, for long. I mean, it's something that is always going to be with me, but I, I really try hard to make the most of my life, you know, by doing these YouTube videos, by doing these blogs. And I can tell you right now, these blogs have been so incredibly helpful. Like it's like, you know, keeping a journal and I just like, I literally write about everything and I make it relatable. Like I've talked about gaslighting. I've talked about domestic violence. I've talked about the struggles with anxiety, PTSD. And I don't just specifically do research. Like I make it relatable to my feelings. So someone else can be like, oh yeah, I felt that same thing. I experienced that same thing. I went through that. Yeah. And that's, that's what I want. I want to be relatable to people. I just don't want it to be statistics and, and research that that's a, that's a great thing too. Don't get me wrong, but I want people to, to feel, feel that empathy, feel that compassion, feel that knowledge, that understanding. 
in order for other people to feel that you've got to be able to feel that too. Yes, exactly. That's absolutely incredible. Uh, Just everything about it and the, the bravery that it takes to keep your, your heart open to the world after the world has, has shown you (laughs) it's darkness and you came out the other side saying, okay, but there's also this. Well, you know what? And I'm really lucky too. Like I'm in a relationship now and I, I, I honestly, I couldn't be happier. And he's, he's so great with, with everything. Like he's just, he understands, um, you know, he, he gets it and it's just, it's, it's so nice to have somebody that is so caring and, and so respectful and, and he's so mindful and, you know, he, he asks questions and I'm, I'm glad he does. And that's for him to, you know, gain knowledge. That's for him to get to know me better. And I'm glad he's asking questions. That's, uh, I can't even fathom all, I, I, I mean, I, I've, I've talked to a lot of people who've been through a lot of things. <laughs> I've got, I've got some things, uh, in my own life that I've been through, uh, that I've seen, but, you know, I, I know the way that it, it can, it can be so easy, uh, to put up your shields and live yeah. that way yeah. all the time and to, mm-hmm. to see isolating yourself or or even uh, distrusting or all of that as a way of protecting yourself, mistaking isolating yourself and, and all of that for protecting yourself, uh, harming yourself by thinking you're helping yourself. I, I can see all of those things and, and understand them with complete clarity. And with the support system that you've had in place, uh, how helpful was that to get you to be where you are now? Oh, it was incredibly helpful. And it was incredibly inspirational. Like, I can't even tell you, like the police alone, like they were so supportive. I had a great, great team and I still keep in touch with them. I still keep in touch with my crown attorney. I still keep in touch with victim services. Like they have been instrumental in my healing journey and where I am today. Like their support, their encouragement, you know, some of them went out and were the first people to buy my book. Like they're, they're caring and empathetic approach. Like I just got so lucky to have the team that I had, like they genuinely cared about me. They checked in with me. They called me to make sure that I was doing okay, that I was hanging in there. Like they went above and beyond for me. And then my friends who've pretty much, I should just call them my family have supported me and encouraged me. And it just been such a huge support for me. You know, like even the people that came to the trial, like there's not an amount of gifts. There's not an amount of anything that I can say or do to even tell them how much I appreciate them just sitting there and, and holding my hand as I'm, you know, crying and just the support has just been so uplifting. And, you know, Sunil, who actually him and his team, um, his team actually put together my website, my YouTube channel, and 
Sunil actually helped me with my book and everything and his team helped edit it. And it's people like that. And he's on the same path as myself, like, and I, David Keck as well. He's another inspirational human being. I should actually probably put you in contact with him because he has a really good story as well. Um, you know, they both have been so vital to this whole journey of helping other people healing. And they have the same common goal as myself. They just want to help as many lives as possible. And so, you know, David has his own, um, platform as well. And so does Sunil. So Sunil focuses on intuitionology and David focuses on surviving abuse. That's his podcast. So, you know, they both have been so great at, at helping, you know, me with this journey that I'm on and just been so encouraging and uplifting. And I'm, I'm so incredibly grateful for them and, you know, helping me and supporting me and, and just, you know, being there for me and like running through ideas with me and everything. It's just been, it's been an amazing journey. It's been an amazing opportunity and experience working alongside both of them. They have both just, I can't even tell you, like, I am so incredibly grateful for all of their help with this project. Like this project means absolutely everything to me. Like I wish that I could be doing this every day from the comfort of my home and just writing blogs every day and just putting together videos every day. Like that's kind of what my weekends look like now, but in, in doing these podcasts, like I, I love it. Like I love that, you know, you're giving people a platform to share their story. I think that that is amazing that you're taking the time to, to do that because there are so many stories out there like myself that, you know, can really help other people that are going through horrific things in their lives. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really what it's all about. I mean, if, if we're going to do anything, why not use the experiences that we've had to help people so that they don't have to go through all of the all of the trials and tribulations of getting some things wrong making mistakes seeing things the wrong way just showing an option there's a way out there's a way forward uh like yes exactly feel like you're it's going to last forever those feelings uh uh that fear uh you know the ptsd getting locked in that fear has to feel like it's never going to end like that is your new reality for the rest of your life Yes. And you know, like, yes. And I believe that you'll never get over it, but you can get through it. You can get through it and you will get through it. You know, you just have, you have to be willing to step up and and make the proper changes for yourself. Like nobody else can do that, but you, like you are the only person in control of your life and you get to decide, do you want to live in incomplete darkness and chaos? Or do you want to make every single moment of your life count and and be that light and be that inspiration for somebody else? And and that's the path that I chose. I didn't want to like stay in darkness for the rest of my life because who was that going to help? That wasn't going to help me. That wasn't going to help other people. And that wasn't the answer. Yeah. Well, I, I can't even thank you enough for taking the time to share this story with me, for going there. Uh, because I mean, that's, that's really phenomenal that you've come out the other side of this and been such a, a beacon of hope and, uh, a, a, a storyteller, uh, which is fantastic. 
it's amazing to be able to take these experiences and turn them into something uh, that can inspire other people. And you've inspired me. And well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And uh, this is my book right here, actually, Finding Strength Through Tragedy. And it can be purchased on my website, um, ashleyinspires.com. And also proceeds actually go to other survivors of crime as well. Um, so I actually gave some of the proceeds of my book to uh, the police here. And uh, they actually put it towards a, a service dog to help other people that are going through similar situations. So that's what it's all about for me. Well, thanks for talking to me today. Well, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity and experience to sit down and talk to you and you yourself are so inspiring because, you know, you're really helping other people by having this platform that people can, you know, be real and open up and, and share their stories. One cup of coffee at a time. Exactly. Well, thank you so much. And there you have it. That was really a phenomenal conversation. And I cannot thank her enough for showing up and being so brave to talk about this issue and dealing with me and the technical difficulties that I was having. Technology is great until it's not. If you want to find out more about Ashley Michelle, and I know that you do, go to ashleyinspires.com. You can find links to her book, which is Finding Strength Through Tragedy. Uh, you can get that there. And if you want some more coffee over suicide in your life, and I know that you do, go to coffeeoversuicide.com slash talk. And there you will find a wonderful list of events uh, spanning from both morning and evening where we can get together, have a conversation, and let each other know that it's not all hopeless. And until next time, don't kill yourselves out there.